I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like I'm losing something. Like so much so that I've gotten this pattern down in my life. Whenever I leave somewhere, I, I do a pat down to make sure I have my phone, my keys, and my wallet. And I, I feel like some of you guys are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. Like, like real quick, I'll just do this. And then like people are like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just checking for what I got. Make sure I got everything. Because I'm always losing my stuff. Like all the time. Um, this last past snowstorm, um, I was like snow blowing my driveway and I was cleaning it all out and I had to move everyone's car so I can get to every spot. And so I took Jess's keys and I moved her car to the bottom and, and then I moved it back. And then later the next morning, she woke me up and she goes, Joey, where are my keys? And I go, I have no idea. I literally spent guys that whole day looking for those keys and I have no idea where they are to this day. Like, we, we don't have no idea, but if I had to take a guess, they're in some snow pile that either my snowblower shot like 30 feet because they fell out of my pocket, or they're just buried somewhere, and I, I just can't believe that I lost those keys, and I'm sure some of you guys know what that's like to lose something like that, but it's so frustrating. Um, I have a friend who used to love when people would lose things. Literally, he would do his weekly shopping at the Lost and Found at Smithtown Christian School. Like, that's, <laughs> like he loved it. And I, he, like, almost like, so some of you guys like to do that too. Um, he would literally go twice a week before lunch. And like, he would always have these new sweatshirts. And they would always be like a couple sizes too small. But he's like, dude, it's free clothes. Who cares? And it, literally, he would go shopping there. He was all about that. And he really liked that. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, and maybe if you guys are like me, that we get frustrated really easy when we lose something and I give up pretty quickly um this last Monday during the snowstorm so that other one when I lost Jess's keys was actually from two weeks ago this last one on Monday um I was cleaning off all the cars and somehow I lost the um the car scraper for the windows and stuff and I had done two cars like this is a big thing like this is not something like you normally lose like a car scraper but somehow I managed losing this and I like was checking everywhere I was looking in the old cars literally guys for like 15 minutes I'm just looking everywhere because I have to clean off this next car and uh I finally go back to the first car I look in and I like slammed the door and somehow it fell off the roof of my car, right? And so th- at this point, I was just so angry. I didn't even want it. Like, and I needed, I just took it and threw it like 30 feet onto my neighbor's yard. And I was like, I, this is so frustrating. And then I was like, wait, that was really stupid because now I need to go back and get that and scrape off the last car. But man, I, I just get so frustrated with losing things sometimes. And uh, I think that a lot of you guys maybe know that frustration when it comes to looking for lost people in our life. We all know people that don't know the Lord today, that aren't in a relationship with him. And maybe you guys have witnessed to them before. Maybe you have invited them to church before. And that can be just something that's, that's really hard when you're trying day after day and time after time to try and win them. And no matter what, it just seems like they have this hard heart. And what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is what Jesus' heart is for lost people. And I think it's something that we need to catch and see tonight because his heart is for the lost. And I just feel like, just as Christians, we're really comfortable today. We like the way that our churches feel. We like the way that youth group feels. I, I was talking to this kid the other day, and he was just telling me, he's like, I, you know, I like my youth group, the, the, the youth group he was going to, because I feel like I'm the coolest person there. And I used to know kids like that when I used to go to youth group too. Like, we, we don't want to invite new people because then that's more people from the girls to choose from. And so I, I used to have friends that used to think like that. And, like, and maybe you guys feel that. You, you're just really comfortable with the way things are today. And then some of us, man, we just don't really care that much that some of our friends in school, some of our family members are going to hell. We're kind of okay 
with that thought. And deep down, that thought should make us really upset. That thought should drive us crazy. That the people that we love and care about, the people that we share hallways with, are not with Jesus. They don't have all the benefits of the relationship like we do, guys. And man, that needs to bother some of us today. We can't be so okay with letting our friends and family members go to hell just because we're comfortable with the way things are. And uh, guys, what happens between these walls was never meant to stay between these walls. What goes on here needs to start spreading into those other areas of your life. It's great if we're coming in here week after week and we're experiencing God and and we're learning good things. But if you're not taking it out, into school with you, if you're not taking it out into the world, into your family life, then, then it's a big problem, guys, because what happens here is great, but we need to let it go beyond these walls, and then we need to start bringing some more people in this room, guys. We can't just be so okay with letting it be the same people week in and week out. We're not really doing our service as Christians. If, if, if we're just okay with sitting here and being comfortable, And so I want to give you guys a picture that Jesus gave us in a parable tonight of what it looks like, what his heart is for lost people. And here's what I want to be really sensitive about tonight. And I I don't want this just to be just this go win the lost message tonight. Because I know that there are some of you in here that are lost tonight. Some of you guys that just feel like you've walked really far away from Jesus. And the scripture we're about to read, I, I want it to have two meanings tonight. The first one, I really want us to get how important the lost are to Jesus and how we aren't really doing a well job at this. But the second part is for any of you guys that feel lost tonight, that you feel like you've just wandered so far away from Jesus that you would see his heart for you too. And so as we kind of tear apart these scriptures a little bit, I pray that you would really let this sink in deep. And so we're going to be in Luke tonight and we're going to see what Jesus had to say in verse 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Um, This drove the Pharisees nuts, guys. That Jesus was willing to spend time with dirty people. Like, these are the worst of the worst that he's sitting with right now. We're talking about tax collectors. These are people that often would cheat to get money, would rob people out on their money. They, they were just considered to be such lowlifes. Another good portion of people that were probably sitting in this audience listening to Jesus were prostitutes, just people who, who sell their bodies. And they're all huddled around Jesus because they were looking and they were drawn into him. And he doesn't push them away. And that drives these Pharisees nuts. These guys who are all about their image, who are all about practicing the law, day in and day out. They, they, they tried to live this as good as they could, like perfect. And they felt like they were the only ones who had the right to Jesus. That these people should be thrown out of his presence because of how wicked and how messed up they are. But Jesus welcomes them. He lets them sit near them. This was so unheard of, guys. For these kind of people to be near Pharisees, to go into the temple, they would never let that happen. So Jesus is already turning up the normal way of thinking upside down right now with him doing this. And you guys got to understand how 
hard this was for their mentality because everything that they had been taught in the Old Testament was the total opposite of this. This was not okay. These people were unclean. They didn't deserve God. And I think a good way for me, and this is a good way for me to understand it, for how crazy this is, because I want you guys to really picture that as we go throughout this story. Is, do you remember being in math class and someone was trying to explain something to you and it just didn't click at all? You were like, what is this person talking about right now? For me, that was like real numbers and imaginary numbers. I remember just being like, if they are imaginary, why can't the answer be anything I want if it's imaginary? <laughs> like I literally said that to the teacher. Like, right, doesn't that make a lot of sense? Like, and this lady's trying to explain this to me. Like, no, you are making no sense. Like, th- that's how crazy it is, that feeling of being in that math class, that first time you learn something nuts, and you're like, what is going on? Like, they just couldn't comprehend this. It was nuts to them. And so let's go to this next verse, verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And then he says this, and at first, I don't know about you guys, but how does that verse make any sense? Why would anyone in their right mind leave 99 good sheep? Like, Ones that are practicing the way the shepherd wants them to be, that are behaving him, that are listening to him. Why would he leave those good ones in order to go after the one that didn't listen to him? And you know, he probably had spent a lot of time with these hundred sheep. He knew what they were like. Why? Like that's so opposite of our culture. Wouldn't we want to stay with the good ones? Why would we go pursue the messed up person? And Jesus is breaking down everything that you and I so often go back to. Everything that we try to cling to that our human bodies tell us and our, our human nature tells us is right. That you need to be good to get God's love. He's breaking this down for us right now. Because none of us are really good at the heart of it. We're all broken in some way. All have fallen short in sin. And so Jesus is just turning things upside down right now. And here's what's so important that we see tonight. And this is so opposite of everything we think. But to Jesus, the 99 and the 1 are on an equal playing field. The 1 is just as important to him as the 99 good ones. And he will do anything to get that one back. And so some of you guys just need to note tonight that our God sees each and every one of us. He doesn't just clump us together. You know, he's sitting on top of heaven. The, the Bible says that he, he orders everything in on a day and day basis. He controls everything, but he still cares for us individually. That if you were the one who went astray, he would still go after you And he would still pursue you. He would forget about the 99 good ones for a moment. And he would go pursue the lost one. Man, that that is such a radical love that our God, who loved us first, who we were enemies with at a point, would go and leave the 99 good ones who had been in good fellowship with him, who had been going to youth group every week, who had been spending time in prayer and reading their Bibles, that he would leave them for a moment just to get the lost one? See, some of us need to start thinking like this when it comes to those people 
in our lives that don't know him tonight. Man, because Jesus is radical about this. Jesus is crazy about this. He's going to hunt down those lost sheep until he gets them. You know, you think Liam Neeson and Taken gets his target. Man, Jesus gets his target every single time. And he'll do whatever it takes. He'll hunt them down and he'll find them. And some of you guys can relate to that tonight. You know what that's like. When you are off living a way that you know you shouldn't have been. And Jesus came and he pursued you. Even though you weren't living the way you should be. And so Jesus tells them this. And I'm sure that they had such a hard time understanding this. Because why would you leave the good ones? Let's go to verse 5. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and together says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And you know what? I've preached off this portion of scripture before, but I realized something in this for the first time. Jesus never gets angry at this lost sheep. In, in this whole thing that I've studied so far, and in this whole chapter 15 of Luke, this whole imagery is going on of, of the lost ones. You know, if, if I found something that was lost, just like I was kind of angry at that stupid scraper and I threw it, I, I, I would get so mad at that sheep. I probably would be really mad at it and yelling at it the whole way home, telling it how bad it was, or just being really mad in general. But Jesus has none of those feelings towards this sheep that has wandered away. Even though he probably has every right to be mad at it, he didn't do anything. Jesus didn't deserve to go be looking and losing all this time with the other sheep. The sheep didn't even deserve him to go get it. But he did it anyway. And he doesn't show any anger. Yet the Bible says right here that he rejoices when he finds it. Man, that's... That almost doesn't make sense. Like in, in, in the analogy with you and I, when, when we walk away and, and we sin, I think we're so scared of God sometimes because we feel like he's going to be mad at us when we come back home. We feel like he's going to judge us and be unhappy with the person that we were. And some of you just need to see this tonight in the verse, is that when you come back to Jesus, his arms are nothing but open towards you. He doesn't come in and say, I told you so. This was so horrible. How could you do that? No, he doesn't even waste a second with that. His arms are open towards the lost. And he rejoices. The Bible says that he throws a party when one person comes back. Not when a hundred, not when a thousand, but when one lost person comes to him. All of heaven stops. And they celebrate. And I love it. He throws the sheep on its shoulder. And sometimes we need to be carried, don't we? Sometimes we've just messed it up so bad and we're so broken after our times wandering from God that we couldn't even walk back if we wanted to. What a loving God that we have that would put us on his shoulder and then carry us the whole distance back. So let's go to this next verse. Verse 7. I tell you the same way, there, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So what does this mean? Like, how do we make sense of this? That those of us that are living good with Jesus today, does he not love us as much as the lost ones? Absolutely not. That is not what Jesus is saying right here. What Jesus is saying right here is that every single person matters to him. 
And the reason why he's going to get that lost sheep is to bring it back to fellowship with the 99. It's to bring it back into that close relationship that he wants them all to have. See, this is where Jesus wants us to be growing together. And when one one wanders away, he wants to bring it back to this. And so the 99 do matter to him, but he's going to go get that lost one because it means so much to him. And what I want to tell you guys is that if it means that much to Jesus, shouldn't it mean something to us? Have we so forgot about what is at the heart of Jesus that we've stopped doing this, that we've stopped caring and said, one day I'll pray for them. One day I'll invite that person to church. One day, one day, one day. And I I think we just kind of rationalize it. But guys, this this is extreme. Time is ticking for so many people. The Bible says that Jesus will come like a thief in the night and no one will know the hour, the day, or the time. Man, there's no way in that moment I wanna think back and say, oh, there's so many more people I could have rescued. There's so many more people I could have pulled out of the pit, but I was too comfortable with my youth group of so many kids at Smithtown Christian School. I, I don't want that to be on my heart. I wanna look back and say, we fought as a group for everyone that we could. That we prayed hard for those people whose hearts were hard and we invited everyone who was open. And at no point am I asking you guys throughout this message to be that crazy kid, that really annoying kid. We, we, we all know that person who pushes Jesus down everyone's throat. No, that's not what I'm asking. There, there is a certain way of going about this and it's being with God in prayer and he'll tell you how to go towards every person. But Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone and we shouldn't force him on anyone else unless they're open to it. The Bible says that he knocks gently at the door seeing who will let him in. And guys, at the same time, while while we can't force this, we need to be serious about it because Jesus is so serious about it. Now we're gonna go to this next part and Jesus goes into this next analogy and I can just imagine the Pharisees fuming right now. And I think sometimes you and I have a little bit of Pharisee in us. We've written off some people in our lives. We've given up on some people. We look at them, we say, they're just too lost. That person is too messed up. They failed too many times. I'm gonna give up on them. I'm gonna write them off. Jesus doesn't write off anyone and neither should we. And that's what he was trying to get across to the Pharisees, is that we're all broken and we all need a savior and he is willing to pursue any of us no matter how bad we've messed up, no matter how bad we've fallen. That is not about keeping a list of good things that we've done in our lives, of of living a right list. It's about living for a savior. And they just couldn't understand that. And so they're probably fuming at this point. And he goes into another analogy. And those of you guys that maybe you feel like that lost sheep tonight, that you feel like you've just wandered so far from him tonight. Really hear out the words in this next verse and hear, them, hear Jesus speaking them to you. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Some of you guys have been in some dark places recently. Some of you guys have been in some dirty places recently. You know what Jesus did? He got his lamp out. 
He got his broom out and he found you. He swept some of you guys out of the mess that you were in. He looked into the dark corners where you're too afraid to even admit tonight and he found you and he pulled you out. You know, I hear this all the time and I, and I think it's so funny that people say, you know, you just need to meet Jesus halfway. You, you need to just get some things right in your life first. You, you need to start making some steps first. No, that's not how our God pursues sinners. He hunts them down and he finds you and then repentance comes because you've seen his love. Jesus will recklessly search for you until he finds you because he's so passionate about you. Maybe some of you guys feel like that tonight. Jesus' arms are open wide to you tonight and he wants to find you and pull you out of that pit that you're in and he wants us to do that for other people. Let's go to this next verse. Verse nine, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So those of you guys that just feel like you're too messed up tonight, I just want to go back to that same thought. Nowhere in here do I see Jesus at any point saying, Man, you messed up so bad. You were so horrible. And so many of us are afraid to go back to him tonight because we feel like that's the way he's gonna be. But he's gonna wrap his arms around you and there's gonna be a celebration over you tonight. But guys, we need to be passionate about this. You know, Jesus has this conversation with Peter before he goes back to heaven. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my sheep. Then take care of my sheep. And he says that to him three times. And he makes him repeat it. Because it was so important to Jesus that we look after each other. That we search after the lost coins and the lost sheep of this world in the way that he would. You know, there's a good chance that if Jesus was around tonight, living in our world, he wouldn't be here in this room tonight. He'd probably be at Smith Haven Mall right now. He'd be walking around. And he'd be talking to people there, trying to save whoever he could and tell them, you know, that there's this cool place on 347 called the Green Room. Why don't you go there? Why don't you check that out? That, that's what, I know that's what he'd be doing. He'd be talking about all the other churches. Why don't you go check out that place? Why don't you go do that? But that's where Jesus would be tonight with the people that we wouldn't want to be around, the people that we don't want to associate with, the people that we don't want to talk with, those crazy kids, punk kids that, Smith Haven Mall tonight, he'd be talking to them. I could just picture them walking down right now. Those are the people that Jesus would be talking to. And you know what? They would be listening to him because the world is so hungry for what we got, guys. The world is so desperate to catch a glimpse of real love. And so it's so important that we stop living this, we start living this because obviously it's so important to Jesus. And so here's what I want you guys to get. And we're gonna talk about some practical things in a couple minutes, but here's the real heart of this tonight. Jesus' followers live to make the lost found. I just want you guys to remember that. Jesus' followers live to make the lost found. That's what God wants us to do here with our remaining time. We need to get more urgent about this, guys. It needs to be a passionate thing on our minds and our hearts daily. So let me ask you this. Who do you need to start pursuing in your life? Who do you need to start going after in a real way? 
like really seeking out. If you care for them, if you honestly care about some of your friends and your family members, then you need to start doing this. You need to start getting real about it. And you need to go to God tonight. Like, like don't let this opportunity pass. God, who do you want me to start pursuing in my life? Because there's so many hurting people that all of us could touch. And, and you know an excuse that I hear all the time is, is that I live in a bubble, Joey. I, I, I go to Smithtown Christian School. I, I, I'm homeschooled. It's just me and my mom. Like, who am I going to witness to, right? <laughs> what am I going to do? We all have people in our life. I don't believe that excuse. And you know what's so interesting about this story? Is the sheep had already spent time with Jesus. He's not just talking about lost people that don't know him at all. He's talking about people that used to be with him who aren't anymore. And so some of you guys, you know some people maybe in your school who aren't walking with Jesus right tonight. And you just need to reach out to them. And one of the greatest ways that I believe that this happens, and this is super practical, this is like giving you guys just some real advice tonight, is just by investing in their life. And often when you invest in their life, you see a return on that investment. You'll have an in some way. Life will get hard for them in some situation and, and they'll be looking for it. Some people, you guys are gonna know them well enough that you're just gonna need to say, hey, why don't you just come check out my church? Why don't you just come check out my youth group? Why don't you just come spend a day with me? And you, and you take them out to dinner afterwards or you just hang out with them here at Green Room and you show them what's going on here. For some of you, that's what's gonna have to be. But for some really hard people, you're just gonna have to invest in them. Just invest in them. Pour into their life. And you'll see that return eventually. And then that will be your opportunity to invite them. And some some of you guys are just going to have to pray for some people really, really hard. I'll tell you guys just a a quick story of just someone that I've, I've been praying for their family for so long. Just so much so that God put such a burden on my heart for it. I used to just drive by their house sometimes. And I would say, God, save this family. God, save this family. And I, I would just cry out sometimes and say that. And I've seen that return. I've seen God answer those prayers. And I am so grateful that he has because I've seen it make such a difference. And, and God's working on that whole family right now. And, 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 and he's brought some of them to Jesus. And I'm so happy about that, that, that I can look out here tonight and I can see that, the fruit of those prayers. Look, guys, those prayers are powerful. God hears those prayers. Sometimes that's all you can do sometimes. You say, God, do something for this lost person, for this lost family. Pursue them, pursue them. So we got some empty seats here tonight, guys. Right, we, we, we have about like 60 seats in the room right now. Guys, we gotta fill, start filling these seats out. Not, not so I can feel good about what's going on in the green room. Not so I can say that there are a lot of kids here. That, that is never my heart at all. My heart is to see you guys to start reaching people for Jesus. There's nothing like that. We need to start celebrating more, guys. We need to start seeing more people come to Jesus. I want heaven to have some more parties on account of what's going on at the green room. I want Jesus to be excited about all the lost that are coming to know him because of what the green room is doing. Because the kids there are refusing to let the people they love go to hell. That they're getting passionate about it. Guys, we need to. And those of you guys that are lost tonight, know that Jesus' arms are open for you tonight. He loves you no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you messed up. He pursues you every time. He hunts you down until he finds you and rips you out of where you are. And he just wants you to be home. 
So just remember that, guys. Jesus' followers live to make the lost found. Think about that. Who do you need to start pursuing? I want to see next week some new faces. We have to get passionate about this. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you sought a sinner like me, God, that I can say that I was that lost coin, that I was that lost sheep, and you hunted me down, Jesus. You saw where I was at in my life, and you wouldn't let me stay that way, God. And I'm so grateful for that, and and freely I've received your goodness, God, and now freely I want to give it back, Lord. And so I pray, God, that you would change the green room tonight, God, that we would have a new burden on our hearts for the lost tonight, God, that we would pursue people in our life that we know need you, God. I pray, God, you would make it very clear to us on how we should pursue them, God. For the people that are just super hard-hearted, God, that you would give us the words to pray. God, for the people that are on the edge, Lord, that we would just have the boldness just to walk up to them and invite them, God. For the people that are so-so, Lord, that we would invest in their lives, Lord, and that they would see what it's like to be a true Christ follower. God, we want this, Lord. We want to see your kingdom change because of what's going on here. God, we're tired of being selfish. I'm tired of just being okay with the day-to-day, with the mundane, Jesus. We want to see more people fall in love with you, God. So let this youth group be your hands and your feet tonight, God. I pray you would burn a passion so deep in so many people's hearts, God, that it would drive them crazy until they start inviting some people. I pray, God, that you would just give them some clear names right now, God, that you would speak some names, that you put some pictures in their minds of people that they need to invest in, people that they need to speak to this week. God, most of all, tonight we're just so grateful for your love. And we've received it and we've got it and now we need to spread it. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.